This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It is, once again, good to start a day with you. We are going to, starting today, embark on a little mini-series, a series on suffering. This actually materialized from an email that we had received. Once again, if you want to contact us, the email address is thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. So feel free to send in um, suggestions or questions or comments that you have, and we will hopefully get to them in, in due order. So this is really about a topic that ultimately touches everybody. Everybody is going to go through difficult times in life. Everybody is either themselves going to experience hardship or no loved ones that that will. And and this makes us, it raises lots of questions in our mind and can have effect on our our faith, causing difficulties. So we want to um, begin by just giving you a list of resources that might be helpful for for you if you want to read more on this. So, gentlemen, what are some books that you would suggest that might be helpful for our listeners? I like uh, R.C. Sproul's Surprised by Suffering, The Role of Pain and Death in the Christian Life. That, that was uh, 2010 published. And then uh, Paul Tripp's got one uh, more recently in 2018, uh, Suffering, Gospel Hope When Life Doesn't Make Sense. And that was yeah, 2018 by Crossway. There you there are good books out there, and it depends on what you're going through. My God is True is a really wonderful book uh, that walks somebody through cancer. There's books that walk people through uh, situations of death, and uh, Nancy Guthrie has one for those facing death. Oh, love that will not let me go. So there, it you know there are broad books, but there are also some narrow top. You can narrow the topic, and there's some really great ones. Nancy Guthrie also edited a book called Be Still My Soul, and then the subtitle is Embracing God's Purpose and Provision in Suffering, and really it's a compilation of both modern and older authors writing on 25 short reads on on different aspects of suffering that's helpful. Ligon Duncan has one called Does Grace Grow Best in Winter? Uh, Jerry Bridges is God Really in Control? Trusting God in a World of Hurt. And then Sinclair Ferguson, one of his earlier books, is Deserted by God, Hope for All Who Do Not Sense the Lord's Sustaining Presence During Life's Most Troublesome Times. So mm. some trusted um, authors that have put together some some good resources on, on suffering and, and God's role in that process. And we're beginning today by talking about suffering and God's providence. And we want to begin with a question and answer from the Heidelberg Catechism. This could possibly be my favorite question and answer in all of the 
catechism, I know I'm supposed to say question and answer one, <laughs> um, but I actually think this one is so rich and meaningful and, and helpful. And the question is, what do you understand by the providence of God? And then this answer, providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which God upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Now, there are some bold statements in that answer that God upholds is with his hand, heaven and earth, all creatures, and then goes through all of these both positive and negative things, and then says, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. What is it that in the word of God that allows that strong response from the, the authors of the Heidelberg, that all things are under his fatherly hand? It's touching, obviously, on the sovereignty of God. Um, we often say, and we want to say, that uh, you know, there's not a maverick molecule in all the, the world. That would be R.C. Sproul's line. And, it's, and when you understand that, one of the things that is helpful is you begin to seek what God wants you to learn through the suffering rather than, you know, trying to fix blame somewhere. Yeah. It's a Sproul quotes uh, or Sproul's quote reminds me of Abraham Kuyper. There's not a square inch in the whole whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. Uh, I think even if we just just beginning with Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, capital G, God. If God is going to be who he is, then what the catechism states must be true. He must be sovereign. He must be in control. He must have the power over all things. There can be no rogue molecules. There can be nothing that is outside of his providence, and that would include then even suffering and calamity and disaster. Yeah, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 45, verses 5 to 7, says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. And the, and the line here, which you read in the Heidelberg Catechism, that these things don't come to us by chance, but by his fatherly hand. I can't talk about the providence of God without putting my hands together. Uh, it's just a and, – and I, I do it with in some ways with not my fingers cupped, but, you know, there's a – air passes through my fingertips. And realizing that God has filtered everything into my life according to his purpose and his fatherly plan. Uh, I, you know, as a, as a believer, I can own God as my father. And because of that, I can, uh, I can trust that those things that happen are for my good and for his glory. And so when I talk about the providence of God, my hands just almost naturally go together um, to, to almost like I'm 
filtering out and letting water pour through my fingertips. I think one of the problems that people have with this is the, I mean, it's the issue we're talking about suffering. So bad things that happen in our lives. And I think another couple passages that relate to this would be the opening chapters of Job. Mm. You know, there we see Satan can't afflict Job without God's approval. And it's actually God who brings Job to Satan's attention. And then we have, then, you know, that's not just an old Testament thing. Uh, we have the same thing where uh, in the Gospels, when Jesus is warning Peter of his turning away from denying him, uh, he does also gives him some encouragement that he says that Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat and then tells him afterwards, you know, strengthen your brethren. So there's, we need to remember, we tend to in our society, the world likes to put Satan and God almost on equal platforms. That somehow Satan is just a evil version of God, but we have to remember this. Kind of like the two sides of the force, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we need to remember that Satan is a creature, and uh, he is one of those creatures that is governed by God. And uh, I, I'm not the one to coin this phrase, but I like using it. Uh, Satan is God's Satan. Like he can't do anything apart from God's approval. He can't do anything apart from God's decree, and some people think of that and they think, well, that, that that's kind of scary. But at the same time, I think rather it should be a great comfort. I mean, do we want a reality where God cannot stop something? I mean, if, if God is not in control of the bad things that happen in our lives, what makes us think that he has the power to overcome them? If he's, he, if he doesn't have a direct control over these things, you know, there, there may be something that he doesn't have the power to remedy. And I think rather what scripture teaches is that God is sovereign over all these things. I remember a conversation I had in, when I was in college. We were in a history class, and I don't remember what. We were divided up into groups, and it was some sort of icebreaker at the beginning where we were telling things about ourselves. And I was with a, a little bit older, non-traditional um, gal, and I remember – talking about that my mom had had cancer and it and it died and I had phrased it in such a way of something to the effect of God had caused or or brought about the cancer I don't remember how I said it but it was that effect that God was was the cause of it and she looked at me and got extremely angry mm-hmm. and turned and said God had nothing to do with it and it was like somebody had kicked me in the gut. Because I was thinking what you were thinking, Ryan. If God wasn't in control, then then who was? Who was? Yeah. I mean, that was my comfort, knowing that though it was hard, though it was something that I would not want anybody else to go through, what was sustaining me was that God was in control, that God was orchestrating the events of my life, of my mom's life and death and and so that was a weird moment for me, trying to wrap my head around, wait a minute, what? What is that right? Is she right? You, get, you lost me at the beginning of the story when you said an older, non-traditional gal. And I, I think what you meant was she was a non-traditional student in seminary. Yeah, she was a, non-tradi- <laughs> no, she was a non-traditional in college. In college. In yeah. college, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She must have been, well, now she would be young to me, but... I bet she was in her forties when. Right. <laughs> Another passage that I think find, that I find comforting is in the opening verses of Psalm sixty, 
We're here, David is writing, um, Oh God, you have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have been displeased. Oh, restore us again. You have made the earth tremble. You have broken it, heal its breaches, and for it is shaking. You have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of confusion. But then it ends with this wonderful comfort. You have given a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displayed because of the truth. And so, yes, God brings hard things. He brings that wine of confusion, often referred to as God's punishment or displeasure. But he brings those things, yet he's still our God. He has still given us that banner. And I think one of the things that we tend to lose sight of is that God's primary goal is to glorify himself and to prepare us for that age to come. Yeah, his, and if giving us cancer would glorify him and prepare us better, then he will do that. Yeah, his providence is always paired with his presence. I was thinking, um, was that it, was a beautiful alliteration. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of Matthew 11, uh, 28, when Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, what is difficult to bear without Christ is made far more bearable with him. What is mm-hmm. heavy burden to carry alone becomes far lighter to carry with his help. Uh, and so while his, he is providential over all things, he's also present with us in yeah. all things. In the last 20 seconds, if this is not your foundation for entering into a conversation about suffering, why would that be problematic? Because in suffering, it ultimately has no purpose, and there's no one in control of it and in charge of it. And I'm left not only to wonder uh, where is God, but why is God? And we will explore this in the days to come. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.